The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. There you go. Thank you. Right out of the box. Perfect pour. Hey, everybody. I'm John Myers. Welcome to the Winemakers. Sitting here with, of course, my good friends, Brian Casey. Thank you guys for waiting. Sorry, I had to. Bartanson. Hey, we're in Napa. Yeah. It's nice. We're we're Um, actually in a totally different type of wine facility that we've ever been to. We're at Naked Wines this morning, so we're with Alex Farber. With our clothes on. Yes, we are. (laughs) I don't know if that's the way to start out. Some people, if they haven't heard of Naked Wines, might think that intro is a little disconcerting. It does beg the question how the hell they got it, but it also begs the question, it's like you're a UK British outfit, or it's got the start there. I didn't know that the wine business was so popular in... England, but oh, obviously it's huge. good. Yeah. It's a, so why did they, they, love they wine get started in, in the there? UK. Yeah, they love wine you know? in the UK. <laughs> O'Brien immediately meets the Shannon. I hear Shannon Blanc. I come running. That's a good <laughs> thing. I've trained you well, Brian. I've That's trained right. you well. Can well, we pour uh, the Shannon Blanc can, we're pouring. Can is, we pour both of them? Actually, yeah. We, I, I brought two glasses for everybody. Awesome. A back and John? forth. Is that what you're going to do? Wow. This is a tasting of my own concept i like it so i'm not a very good multitasker so we're just pouring well, there's here. four of us we got eight arms we can help you out <laughs> eight <laughs> arms to pour wine with that's a good thing so alex what a pleasure thanks for having us over it's really nice to meet you yeah thanks for making the trek over here we're really happy to have you um we're sitting in one of our conference rooms at the naked usa office in napa california we are staring out um through a big glass window um to the Napa River behind us and the entire open office floor plan in front of us. Yeah, like you know, I, I, I kind of watched this building be built because we come over and ride. Uh, when I was teaching Dane how to ride a bike, we come over and ride the bike path. And, um, you know, kind of wondered what was all going to happen down here. And it sure is turning out to be a nice little area down here. I mean, you got some nice restaurants and the theater and um, it's almost like it's fits. Yeah, and the vine is going in um, below us, the radio, the radio station, station yeah. which will be really cool. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, AM and FM. That's a good thing. And then is that a south side? Um, are they south side? Are they moving or are they No, they're opening location? a third location. Seriously? I know. It's so exciting. Wow. I, you know, I'm wait. always worried about that because it seems like you split your split your uh, consumers when you open up multiple locations. I think they're just going to expand. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for them. <laughs> Um, the, so to answer your question, uh, the nakedwines.com uh, USA office and business is, um, almost seven years old. The company started in the UK, um, 11 ish years ago now, um, as a, um, company that wanted to fund independent winemakers and sell wine in a way that could shake up the um, UK wine market. There's um, a big stronghold on wine sales through the super store, uh, s- supermarket stores, um, and Rowan Gormley wanted to change that all up, um, and he's done a great job at doing that, and the business is doing really well in the UK and helping fund winemakers from all over the world, and 
the U.S. outlet um, continues to grow on that model and help us fund winemakers from all over the world and bring it to the U.S. market. Well, with this business model, it's interesting. During this last 11 years that they've been out, direct-to-consumer has been growing on the outside. Are you guys generating a lot of that growth? You're doing an awful lot of cases direct-to-consumer. Uh, we probably are contributing a significant amount to the direct-to-consumer growth, but I think that a lot of our ability to, to um, have all of this direct-to-consumer growth has to do with the industry accepting it and growing on their own as well. So, Oh, yeah, it's demanding it now. Um, I mean, you have to be to succeed. Yeah. So, so what percentage of the... What, what do you what do you call your your customers um, uh, your customers what percentage of are in the UK and what percentage are in the states oh man um, I'm not sure I know the answer to that question good uh, thing we've got our marketing guy in the room um, hey who Ryan can help me how with you that. doing Ryan's <laughs> right at the end of the table I I can tell you we have a hundred um, just over a hundred and twenty thousand um, contributing um, what we call angels our customers um, in the U.S. business um, and it's okay and then it's over three hundred thousand um, in the world so nice base we have to work on huh? yeah and we have Seriously. three um, outlets so the U.K. Um, that we've talked about the U.S. and then there's also a business in Australia that started about the same time as the U.S. And um, is the Austra- is the Australian market is it more Australian wines and Australian winemakers? Uh, yes, it is predominantly Australian wines and winemakers. A little bit of New Zealand wines, right? Um, and that is about it. The yeah. um, they have not sort of broken too much into um, exp- right. having other. Well, it just adds a lot more cost, let's quite frankly. And And the consumers don't seem to be into it. Right. Um, And I think like... They don't seem to be into it? They're not not asking for it. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The Australian consumers are happy getting wines from down there. Well, and and you look at that market, it seems like it's all just giant conglomerates that's it no that's not necessarily true well from um, a, I mean from a grocery for, store level right okay. from what yeah. we get here in the United yeah. States yes but so do they have an active market like uh, small batch uh, producers in Australia like oh yeah oh, very yeah. much so yeah. yeah yeah and we've got some amazing winemakers down there who um, we have a few of them that are making wines for here in the US and they're just doing so really you, well no yellow tail in any of your shipments at all right? no <laughs> good thank no. you very much no. all of all of our wines are um, made by supporting winemakers who have direct relationships with their growers um, with um, their friends in the industry, if they don't have a wine winery themselves and need a wine to make wine at, they um, all kind of band together and figure it out. We've helped fund winemakers to open up their own winery, to plant their own vineyards, um, and uh, the list goes on and on about so how So they're not they exclusive wines. with you once they become a winemaker? Uh, n- or yeah, a supplier? N- yeah, so... Um, n- they don't have to be. Um, there are some of our winemakers who exclusively only sell to uh, or make wines um, for naked wines, um, but uh, we it's not a criteria for being a winemaker. And um, yeah, Scott um, Peterson. Scott Peterson mm-hmm. from Rumpus. Randy yeah. Hester. Um, Randy Hester. Um, Randy got started here. Well, I know Randy made wine. Randy made wine for us. Yeah. Um, but not not. He, I mean, not when I looked on the currently. website, he's a friend of our, ours yeah. and. 
Uh, but he's not currently doing anything, right? No, he yeah, doesn't that was have a any projects. Very young right or very pre Texas looking. Oh, yeah. 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 Huh? No beard, no uh, headbands, no yeah. uh, wild um, hey, But, but yeah, Randy. I mean, I, as Scott explained it to me, that he has certain wine that he makes for you guys, and, and those are exclusively sold through you guys. And then he has his own brand on the side also. Yeah, and we brought in um, Rumpus. The Rumpus brand um, is only at Naked Wines right now. We actually have a room, if you turn around, uh, called the rumpus room that's uh, his sign from his original yeah. uh, sonoma outlet very familiar with the sign yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so we talk- got started by actually i got an email i assume that is from uh, ryan and uh it said how to be an expert a wine expert in four easy lessons so i mean i i went through and i i Took all the lessons. I, I scored a hundred percent. I was it was great. I was I was happy. I was an expert. We, See John <laughs> hanging out with Brian and Sam and I. That's right. You know, I like it. And, You're an uh, expert. So, but, the, the, but that's uh, kind of how this started, right? We right. we were on we were doing a podcast. Naked Wines was brought up, and I think we we started talking about it, and all of us had a different idea of exactly what it was that Naked Wines did. One person thought, oh, they're just buying, um, they're buying um, wines in, in bulk that are like, you know, people need to move their warehouse or they're buying private sellers or they're buying. One person thought, no, they're, they're actually getting. Then when you look into it, I don't think it was what any of us thought it was. Not at all. So would you just kind of break it down from a, like the, the base level of receiving something? I know that's just how the first time I heard of Naked Wines was I received something it was, I, I ordered something else, and along with it was this little thing from Naked Wines that said, you know, if you want to go, basically introduce me to Naked Wines and nakedwines.com. Um, so from a, from a, just like a beginner level, say, how would someone find Naked Wines and what it is exactly that you do um, from start to finish? Great question. Okay. Um, so the main way that we um, recruit new customers into the model is by exactly what you explained a little uh gift voucher um, comes in a box that um we have partnered with um another company that might have like-minded customers to us that um gives you the opportunity to purchase um from us at a um at a deal, your first case of wine so that you can try us. Because we are direct to consumer. Uh, We don't currently have um, an outlet where anybody can taste our wines at a physical location. We want everybody to be able to get our wines in an accessible way and try It would be a hell of a tasting room, however. (laughs) (laughs) We have had a tasting room in Napa in the past. It unfortunately um, came down in the earthquake and... uh, most of our energy has been um, on trying to get more wine out to more people and help fund this really cool, awesome model of independent winemakers. So um, you get this voucher and you enter all the codes. We actually have one for the listeners all today so that anybody listening today can um, take up an opportunity to try some wines and get to know us a little better. Um, And that first order gets to you um, and you start um, contributing into a piggy bank uh, to start saving up to get your next case of wine. Okay. So and I think it's important to explain exactly what that means. It's, that, that sounds kind of vague, but so what people are, they're basically putting $40 a month mm-hmm. into their account. Yep. And that doesn't mean that they're necessarily spending it that month. It could be banked for the next month or the following month when they uh, 
plan to buy a case or six, but whatever it is. Um, But in the meantime, that money is just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Um, My first question is, I'm thinking, how much money do they have in this huge (laughs) account? How much interest are they making off of this? Right, right? Wouldn't you think that as it... Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is that a thing? Do you just have this huge cash flow that's... And that's what we do have a cash flow that's monthly. That is what gives us the opportunity to fund all of these winemakers, right? I mean, we want to make sure that we are not putting winemakers in five years worth of debt before they are able to make a product. And so customers giving on a monthly basis has gives us a sense of a, a really steady cash flow right. that helps us be able to invest and fund in winemakers. And then it is right back to those customers that the one, wines go to. So um, they, they're, they're interacting with us through the website, um, helping us make decisions on what winemakers we should support, uh, what wines that we should support, how much of it, a whole bunch of different metrics how do they and ways. how do they give that input is it through their purchasing power that's how they're speaking is it an it? algorithm uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it seems like the rest of the world's running on an algorithm is uh, it uh, no it's not much I mean I, <laughs> sorry go ahead it's not maybe, a maybe, maybe like a human creating an algorithm but it's not like a, it, me creating the algorithm I'm the head of planning for nakedwines.com as well as a winemaker so um, you know, we, we do look at purchase rate, um, which customers are repurchasing, um, how how many bottles they're buying at one time, um, if they're following a winemaker, how many um, followers does that winemaker have, what's their reach into the um, customer base. There's um, polls that we do on the website. So um, Ryan and his team will create a poll and say, what do you guys think? This winemaker has this opportunity. Um, should we double down on it or should we not? And customers can um, so, help so us make I, I mean, decisions. you know, from being a winemaker, that's really interesting. It's like, so the opportunity is there. And I guess if it gets to the point where you're asking the customers if they think they should do it, they're going to do something with it. It's more a matter of how much you're going to do of it. Yeah. Or in what style. So like if we have a winemaker who's found some Chardonnay grapes and we know it's a, it's a good opportunity, whether because it's a great vineyard or it's a, uh, good purchase because there's extra grapes or you whatever. Have winemakers that'll let the consumers tell them what to make. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it means that they get to do the project and work with those grapes and, you know, and then the customer says you, you, the stylistic thing, right? Like, do you want an un-oak Chardonnay or do you want an oak Chardonnay? Right. And, and we have winemakers like Jack Cole who makes both and he loves making oak Chardonnay and likes making un-oak Chardonnay and uh, different customers like different things. And so if he has an extra, you know, uh, I don't know if we did a poll for it, but he's coming out with a new appellation, um, and we ended up making both uh, oaked and unoaked Chardonnay from the new appellation for Jack Cole. So um, there's a lot of feedback that comes um, through that as well. Yeah, yeah. It also sounds like you have a certain level of sophistication, or you're aware of the level of sophistication at all of your buyers. I mean, it seems like if somebody who wants a really oaky Chardonnay, do I... Do I go ahead and say, yeah, might not have the best palate, or is that just <laughs> incorrect these days? I mean, it, it sounds like you, you well, have a lot of people I mean, who might not be really serious about wine, and a lot of people who might be directing you about their taste in wines. Very we serious. Have, we have the uh, 
full spectrum of wine drinkers. Um, yeah, I mean, let's face it. Wine drinkers are wine enthusiasts. We know how enthusiastic they are. I mean, our listeners have proven that to us by, you know, how we react with them and how we, you know, have them come visit us and stuff. And so I can see how consumers, if they feel they have some power and they're having input into what's going on, it would be engaging for them, right? I mean, you know, I like you that. feel like you're part of it. Right. And so I have, a, so let me continue down my little path here. <laughs> Back so, to Brian. Because as I'm yeah. looking at, I, I just want to understand. So let's say I, I sign up and I go a year and for, for whatever reason, I, I don't purchase anything. So I've got $480, right, in, in my account. And I say, you know what? Um, I'm moving. My mom just passed away. I, I just need to cash out and uh, I'm just going to stop. Oh, who, who knows? Maybe I, I'm an alcoholic. I went over the edge and I just need to, try, <laughs> I need to stop. So well, we that really point, hope that you never get to $480. We hope right. that you're getting wine. Um, we have a really great team of wine advisors who actually help keep um, our angels aware of how much they have in their balances um, and help curate cases for them um, or what it might be. Every month we feature a bottle um, that is included if you order 11 bottles. So there's lots of emails that go out helping um, educate our consumers um, or our angels on what wines are available, what they wine they would get if they ordered a case, which is about $120-ish. Um, and, and that 12th bottle you, you suggest because you've seen their purchasing and it's like you like Zinfandel maybe you should try uh, Dave Marchese's Zinfandel yeah absolutely I, it's usually a red and a white option that is available per month if a customer really didn't like that red option they could always call in and we you know customer services our thing we would want to make sure you get a bottle that you would really enjoy um, but usually it's a really cloud crowd pleasing either a new wine a new winemaker um, a wine we're really proud of um, this month we're um, the featured bottles are magnums um, that are screen printed that are really special that you can only get by ordering um if you really got to a place where you had put 480 dollars into account um we and you wanted to get rid of it and just say goodbye um we guarantee everything goes back to you um okay. and we would prefer to send you a case of wine um right, but sure. we will give you back your money and we also guarantee every bottle of wine so we have a full money back guarantee um none of our wines are going to be corked um we use 100 percent dion uh, which guarantees a no TCA bottle. Um, we do know that customers don't necessarily understand that, um, and they might get a faulty bottle, not be because of being TCA, but you know there could be heat damage, there could be other things that are out of our control. It does happen. Um, no, and it's and crazy it there could be a bottle that somebody just really hates, and we will guarantee um, and put that. Um, How do they get it back to you? Um, we don't ask for wine back. Okay. <laughs> uh, we will put a credit on their account in order to um, to get a different bottle. And have wine you ever had any just extreme abuse of that? Uh, <laughs> where people I would are, say no. no. Okay. You know, no. It I mean, seems like people want to get wine. They don't yeah. want to screw you around for twenty bucks worth. Of yeah, and I mean wine these are these are know. customers who are so invested in these winemakers and want the best in all of our winemakers, right. and um, you, we we strive to not put bad wine in the market. Like we, before we put a bad wine in a bottle, we will get rid of that wine. 
Right. Uh, we will not bottle bad wine, um, whether because it has a problem or it got smoke taint or whatever it might be. Like we will not put a bad wine in a bottle. Um, or at least we try not to. Sure, um, sure. And so, uh, no, I mean, it, we it's, really stand behind the quality of our wines. Yeah, yeah. And what is the average price of per bottle of? Or what's I mean, maybe or, what's, what's the, the price range? range? Right. Yeah. Um, price range is eight ninety nine a bottle, and mm-hmm. um, probably up to forty nine ninety nine. We have some champagne, some vintage champagne that we produce or support a winemaker to produce JP Milan out of champagne. Um, not all of our customers, unfortunately, get access to it because it is a finished bottled product. Uh, there's a bunch of crazy direct-to-consumer laws, and not all Naked Wines Angels have access to all of our product. Just depends on how it's produced. How strange. It's crazy. Um, because, wait, well, you got to elaborate yeah, on yeah, that a little bit more. Um, so... Uh, after prohibition ended, um, oh and, wow, we're going way back. <laughs> and all of the states decided to come up with all of their own alcohol right. so, shipping laws. Right. Um, so that's what you're referencing. Yeah. It's just the different states' shipping laws, and then for that matter, because yeah, okay, it's not a tiered it. system where we have people that spend more no. money so they get yeah, access yeah. to the better it wines. is truly government okay. related. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, okay, we wish that everybody could get all of the wine, okay. right? Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, you probably don't have that much of a problem. Ryan's oh, consulting yeah. and we, now. We, do that, we have angel-exclusive wines where, like, not all... Correct. Like, individual people can come and buy wine. And, and, and maybe you should um, talk about that right now because there, there is a... I mean, there is kind of a tiering in the difference between a consumer and an angel, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that helps understand that pricing. So I guess that the eight ninety nine to forty nine ninety nine is the price that our angels are paying for wines. Um, They're the ones who are contributing the $40 a month into their piggy bank. Um, And the website is open to all consumers um, and buyers in the market, um, but they would not be getting the angel pricing. Um, And so um, currently we have a system where we list a price that is a comparable wine um, or a comparable wine in the market would be that average price. Um, We... We strive to be transparent on about our pricing, so we're we're looking into some changes to that, so that we can give more transparency about what the uh, price is of that comparable wine. Because all of our wines are exclusive to NakedWines.com. There's no wine in the market that is alike uh, right. uh, the right. same wine. You can't find that wine in the market. Right. So the price is is a. It would be if you had a Russian River Pinot Noir. This is what we think that that average price is in the market, and we are working on making that more transparent because we right. don't want people to be feel like they are um, we're artificially creating up prices. That's right, not our intent. Right, right, right. So, uh, for me, the real question is, how are you doing this? How are we the, making money? Well, <laughs> how are you doing at these prices? I mean, I'm looking yeah. at the price of the bottle, the cork. I see foil on one of the bottles over there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the box, I'm starting to break it down. I'm like, holy crap, there's not a lot of money left for the wine when you're selling something for eight ninety nine. And then on, on that question, um, to go with it, I think, is what percentage of the wines produced do you receive it as grapes? and go through the program and then do you buy bulk wine and use that for blending also 
Okay, lots of good questions. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to remind me if That's I haven't right. answered yeah, it. I, mean, I think I'm the piling on. best way for me to go about this is to start talking about the three wines that are here with cool. us today Perfect. because yeah. each one of those is kind of um, made in each of those um, different ways I could describe how yeah, we make perfect. wine or fund wines here. Okay, so... Um, the first wine. The first wine. Um, most, so 95% of the wine that comes through the U.S. business, we bottle ourselves. Um, whether that means we've taken a shipment that came in a flexi container from one of our winemakers' wineries in Australia and shipped it over here and bottled it with their label, um, or it came from a, our winery that we um, run as kind of a... Uh, incubator winery um in kenwood california and that we produce all wines from that facility out of grapes um and then get shipped to a bottling location or ship or bottled on site so the first wine um is my miriam alexandra um, california chenin blanc um this is a wine that um is 9.99 on our site um I will be really transparent with how much all of it costs to make. So at Naked Wines, I also manage all of the cogs um, for everything that our winemakers spend to make their wine. So um, the cost of the uh, fruit that goes into this bottle of wine is probably um, $1.50, $1.60 a bottle, paying market price for grapes and for custom crush at a facility in Acampo, California. Um, and then you add 40 cents on top of that for excise tax, um, both um, state, ex or state excise taxes and federal excise taxes, an average is about 40. And then the rest of that goes into paying a winemaker um, and packaging the wine. Um, we probably make $6 GP on the wine. So um, I, what did yeah, my math no, come no, out no. to? So, okay. Yeah. Um, so we make some money on it. And yeah. um, there's some variable costs that get um, to it. Our idea is not to make huge margins. Um, it's to really help fund winemakers and be able to grow the business and grow more wine and support independent winemakers who um, get to have a salary or a, um, a retainer and have like a healthy lifestyle where they're not going into huge amounts of debt. Right. At that point, that's one of the parts that I want to get to, too, is exactly how the winemakers are making money. Is it off of how many bottles are sold? Is it a certain salary? Like what, how, what is, how does that all work out? Um, so yeah, there's different ways that winemakers make money, um, kind of depending on how they want to structure their compensation. Um, we're pretty flexible. Um, most of our winemakers, um, make their compensation on a monthly basis so that they are, have a steady income coming in. Um, and then, um, kind of dependent on experience, dependent on how many bottles you're going to produce, um, dependent on how the funding is working, if it's from grapes, if it's, um, if it is from bulk wine, we do have a winemaker, David Elliott, who, um, is a pro at going to the bulk market and sourcing really good deals. Um, so there's, so he sources ways. that himself. Yeah. It's not like you guys go, here's some bulk wine, make a pretty wine out of no. it. If he can go out and find that and it works 
for the budget, then then he can purchase that or you guys purchase yes. that for him. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, naked wines um, as a whole does not actually um, make... We don't... Our winemakers make the decision on what to buy within the um, budget that they have been allocated for the project. So naked wines itself isn't making the full decision. I mean, like they're involved, Antonio, who you know, is involved in making sure the quality of the grapes that are getting bought are going to be sound quality grapes. Right. So if if David Elliott, let's go back to David Elliott, he has a vineyard that he wants to buy grapes for. And he says, I need five tons. Or you say, you know, we need enough for five, you need five tons of fruit. Mm -hmm. And it's $3,000 a ton. Then Antonio is who helps quantify that the grapes are a value of um, $3,000 a ton. Exactly. And Dave Elliott's one of our winemakers who we probably won't do a, well, I won't say won't, but he's one of the ones where we've very clearly explained to our customers, he's the guy out there finding the bulk wine. Yeah. Um, but but just, yes, Antonio would go for a winemaker um, and say that, 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 that amount of grapes at that price, at that quality, that right. it, it fits. And we've, we've got a bunch of different, um, well, I mean, a great example is my Napa Cab. There we go. Uh, nice segue. Is a, um, a Napa Cab that is made from grapes uh, that the company purchases um, on my behalf um, that I have um, sourced with actually two other winemakers. So, so you spec these grapes. Yep. You knew where they grapes. were? Yep. You said, I want those. That's yep. perfect. Uh, Fred Abruzzini out of Gordon Valley is where these um, ca- uh, Napa Cabernet grapes come from. I actually have this labeled as Napa County. So um, I did that because I wanted the opportunity to help keep my cost of wine down, but still make a quality wine. And so I um, source, well, in the past I have sourced some Lake County Cab. Um, It was a bit of a struggle out of 18 to do that. Um, So we'll see where the project goes um, with what I blend Struggle in. Struggle on, on quality? Getting quality what, what you wanted? The, the fires. The fires yeah. up uh-huh. in Sonoma or in right Lake about County. That. That's where it tough. went. And, and I have to say, um, what makes Naked Wines and funding grape growers um, so valuable is that we made sure that we didn't screw any of these growers out over when we had to pull out not picking grapes um, that we knew were smoke tainted. So either figuring out how we can support them next year and roll over the contract for next year, um, you know, try and make it right. But, you know, for most of them, we knew they had insurance that if smoke taint happened because of the Napa fires the year before, we had mostly picked out, but we knew that we lost access to our winery for um, over two weeks during those fires, and it was really hard on us. And so we knew going into 18 harvest, like how do we make sure that everybody is protected in the situation from both a financial standpoint and from a insurance and a uh, uh, buying standpoint. So, Do people, uh, is it mandatory, Bart, to have uh, insurance like that on your crop? Oh, to have crop insurance? Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's mandatory, but I think... Everybody I does. think you have some sort of a crop insurance, yeah. Okay. I, 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 I don't know. Well, I mean, I can't buy fire insurance here or flood insurance. You know, I mean, it's earthquake. It's earthquake. Kind of, right. I think you can get fire and flood insurance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting. Uh, you know, out at the Barlow in Sebastopol, um, where all those guys got flooded, there was no flood insurance out there because they are in a floodplain. Right, yeah. And um, uh, so that's really unfortunate. Um, anyway. You know, you guys are like a co-op, a big co-op almost. 
Um, you represent all these small batch uh, independent winemakers. You're supporting them. They wouldn't get to do this without you. I think that's really good. You're giving everybody a really good chance. Yeah, I mean, I, there are winemakers who make small amounts of wine for us, there are, and there are winemakers who started out making small amounts of wine who now make a lot of wine, which I think is a really cool thing. I mean, I started out making... Um, the Chenin Blanc, I used to work for Pine Ridge Vineyards and learned a lot about the Chenin Blanc Vineyards out in Clarksburg. And Why just... do you guys always mix it with Viognier? <laughs> uh, they, they, it gives it some really good structure and body and um, length it to it. it like Chenin. And <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always see it on the shelf and I'm like, damn, take that Viognier out of there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I just wanted to explore that variety more and Naked gave me an opportunity to start at... Um, at not a small amount, just because of how inexpensive it is. I got to start with 2,500 cases. That wow. brand is now 7,500 cases um, and sells out every year and is growing. And I actually was given an opportunity by how many people follow me and how well the wine does to do a single vineyard um, neutral barrel uh, fermented Chenin Blanc that uh, you guys got to taste um, yeah. Fermented to dryness. Um, a different vineyard? Than it is the same vineyard um, sourcing as the Chenin Blanc, um, the regular one, um, in 18. Um, in the past, I have sourced from multiple vineyards on the Chenin Blanc, but out of 18, it happens to be all from one vineyard. I was able to get access to some more fruit from there. Um, and I think it, I worked with that vineyard when I was at Pine Ridge, and it's, I think, one of the best vineyards out of Clarksburg. It's, it's a... It is farmed by, by a um, Orthodox Jewish family, so the vineyard is farmed kosher. I don't make the wine kosher, right. um, but it's it's a really neat property with some really old Chenin vines. Yeah, Cynthia Passaggio, she makes um, a number of wines from the Herzog uh, vineyard. Um, Does a great she, job, too. She became yeah. familiar with it because she was with, what was that, um... What was that wine comp? That wine in San Francisco where you could make your own wine. Uh, Crush bottle? pad. Crush yeah, pad. she was a winemaker at Crush Pad when mm. they first opened. So, so, so now, for me, the obvious question is, how can I start making wine for you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so actually, I mean, don't you think a yeah, there's a lot of people that will be listening to this to say, you know what, I'd like the chance to do that because it sort of provides a safety net. For a winemaker, I mean, it's a scary thing putting all that money out there, paying for the crush pad facility, storage, someone that's there doing the whatever tests need to be nope, done on no the wine. No incoming cash for years. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a scary thing. And that, I think that's um, that prohibits a lot of people from from following this dream. So yeah, what is absolutely. like the vetting like for you if someone just walks in off the street and says, I want to make a wine? Um. Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I did a podcast uh, about a year ago with Jim Dwayne, and he asked me the same question. He mm -hmm. has pitched a proposal to make a wine out of vintage 2019. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to move forward with that. But I, you know, I Good think luck, like, Jim. <laughs> but but Jim's um, a very experienced winemaker, so I that's a little that, different like, than Brian's I, question. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, 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 experience in like pedigree and uh, like being able to make. Um, wine on your own and having had that experience is really important for our customers. Um, they really need that story um, to feel like they're funding a wine that they're going to be excited about and interested in. Um, we've. Um, How do you communicate that story? 
Um, Ryan, who's sitting here. There you go. <laughs> he has a great team that helps with um, with telling the winemaker's story. We don't want to create anybody's story, right? Because everybody's story is so unique and interesting, and that's what makes them so cool. Um, and so working with individuals who have a really cool story. Um, one of the ways that we help vet which winemakers are going to make wines for us is what are the customers asking for? What is it that's not in the portfolio that they're not getting that they keep that they say they want to be funding? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've done projects where we've proposed winemakers um, onto the site and let the customers choose which winemakers they fund um, theirs. A lot of data we get where we just don't have enough Pinot Noir. Who's a p- winemaker that's really good at making? I'm a total klutz and almost spilled my entire glass of wine. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time, <laughs> believe me. Um, you know where? What's a region that we've never been um, to? So New York is a region that we've we've not been to that we would love to have a winemaker out of the Finger Lakes. Um, and so, uh, trying to help cultivate those kinds of relationships and also it's a lot of work to be a winemaker for naked wines. It's not just make wine go away and you get paid for it. You have to interact with the customers. You have to be willing to be adaptable to volumes and what you can make out of each year. Um, if, you know, if it, if it, if we fund a project and it is a total flop of a project, you're not going to get to make it again next year. Like he, it has to be good wine that customers like that, it, that you engage with them to make it. So, um, I wouldn't imagine people are afraid to engage with the consumers. I think that'd be a really good thing. Absolutely. But it takes lots of time. It takes effort and time. Yeah. And, yeah. and talk about that. So what, what do you mean by engage with the consumers? Cause they're not going to a tasting room to talk to them. And I imagine they're not going out on sales trips necessarily. Yeah. So um, uh, they, they, Ryan's through our job website. just became really important. <laughs> so, so through the website, um, it's, there's a wall that I have as a winemaker. There's a wall for each of my wines and our customers can post back to me on that wall. Ask me any questions I want as my responsibility as a winemaker to respond to those posts. Uh, so you can imagine as volume grows, as you get more people trying your wine, you're going to get more interaction. So how many messages um, a week do you get for 7,500 cases of Shannon? I probably get, well, when the when the fo- wine first releases yeah. is usually when I get the most interaction. I'll probably get 50 to 75 posts a week wow. um, that I need to respond to. Um, it dwindles down as, as people are buying more of their second bottle right. and... Um, there's also groups that we have where, um, we have one called the naked newbies. So when you're new to naked wines and you are trying to understand how it all works, we've got, um, a big social group where people interact and talk to each other and explain things and winemakers jump in, um, or recipe group where, you know, you talk about wine pairings and whatnot. And, um, so interacting with those, I try to interact about once a month in a group or twice a month. When you get a customer. Do you find that they buy most of their wines from you over a period of time? Are they still going to the store? Are they still using somebody else? Or they, do oh, they buy man. in? I'm not sure I know the answer to that question. I mean, it's it would probably be, a mix. I mean, I still buy wine from other places, not just 100% at Naked, because there's some really amazing, like, German Rieslings that we just, like, don't yeah, and have I think, and can't get. And, like, it's not the point of Naked Wines. Like, I, I, I think it's important to... I think you could get your wine if you wanted to be a drinker and only get your wine from naked. There's 
300 wines on the site at a given time and like you can have your breadth and your um your diversity and do it but like there are some really cool special parcels from amazing winemakers and producers all over the world that like i don't think we would ever want to just be the one place you could get wine yeah i mean wine just in general people want to try different things from all over the place and um so yeah i can i can i can see that but i'm sure there are people that just don't ever leave their house and they just go what's <laughs> yeah. new at naked wines what's new this week your amazon what did customer. ryan what did ryan have to say today yeah but you you have wines from all over the world i mean i've we seen do. Yeah, I've seen on your website. And so as as a naked wine And we do member, have German Riesling from an amazing winemaker named Gerd Stapp. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. So if we could just get some Riesling from the Finger Lakes, we'd be all good. Right. Sounds great. I, uh, I would love to. Yeah. I think I might have a contact for There you, you go. Sounds right. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so give us a code here for... People, if they if they didn't do like I did and ordered something and then got this little thing that said, "Hey, Naked Wines," I think it was a yeah, I think it was a hundred dollars off of your first yep purchase, right? Yep. Is probably the introductory thing that most people get. Yep, and you okay. get about twelve bottles with that. Um, for today, we, we no, oh, sorry, oh. sorry to oh, interrupt, but yeah. that that's what had me curious too when I saw that. So it's like, let's say it's a hundred dollars off, and I'm ordering a case that's only like hundred and twenty dollars. So really, I'm just paying twenty dollars for that first case. Um, Ryan's shaking his head. No. <laughs> I would never be in business. <laughs> yeah. So all uh, the the first the first case the hundred dollars off is um, a, a spend of at least one sixty. Okay. Um. So your minimum amount would be sixty dollars. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the way that the um, case works is that we show you our our best selection of wines that we think you're gonna like, um, and there's a price for that, and it's um, uh, one eighty nine, um, and so that that case is is probably is the best introductory case you could get and you would spend $89 for that case with your voucher. Um, you could go around and go to the website and start putting your case of wine together. You would need to put a case together that's at least 160. Okay. Um, and we ship in quantities of um, 6, 9, 12, and 15 or any variable of those quantities Any multiples of three multiples of <laughs> three above six right. um and um shipping is included for all of our orders when you spend a hundred dollars or more so about a case of wine um yeah and where is the huge i'll give um, you a code the, for everybody oh, yes. listening go to. ahead do that okay, Let's do that. okay yeah, so it's $50 off um, of your first six-pack of wine, um, so a really cool offer. Um, you go to nakedwines.com slash misfit, M-I-S-F-I-T. That's us. That's you guys. That is, we are misfits. <laughs> um, and the code you will enter is uh, misfits50 with a password of vineyard. Wow. I'm sure you guys will put that in the show notes and people will be yeah. able to access Absolutely. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, it gives them a way to get uh, And if you and... use that link, it enters all that information for you. So nakedwines.com slash misfit. Oh, perfect. So Alex, who's who's in charge here in the United States? She I mean, is. this you said basically, <laughs> basically it, right here. it was started in Europe, correctly? And, yeah. Um, so... Who was it that first came over here? Didn't they send a couple guys, you know, that came over and said, okay, we're going to... Is it you? <laughs> it's Ryan. Guy off, off 
Well, I mean, I, I'm pointing to the guy off the mic, and we can put him yeah. on mic, and he can <laughs> right. he can tell you about that yeah, story I mean, because he, was started, he was here. Um, he was here for the start in the little house on whatever street that was in downtown Napa that I didn't have the. Well, great uh, let's hear it straight at. from straight from the from the source then. Yeah, come on over, Ryan. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, welcome. Um, so yeah, I was here in the early days because I actually made wine for the company when it was only based in the UK. I, I was living in France at the time. And why? Uh, well, because uh, I like making wine. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, why were you in France? Was it <laughs> my mom is French, as you could tell from my outrageous accent. <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, we, my dad was one of those guys who always talked about retiring and making wine, um, and we thought he was joking until he got closer and closer to that point where he could. <laughs> and he found a beautiful vineyard in the Languedoc where you can still afford no land. Way. And, uh, and yeah, just built, we built our own winery. We started from scratch and we're doing pretty well, uh, critically. Can you mention the name? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, my name's O'Connell. So the family is called O Vineyards. Okay. Um, I see what you've done there. I was like, okay. Oh, everything. <laughs> okay. No. And we're big fans of the Languedoc Roussillon. Oh, so yeah, yeah, we love Rhone wines. Yeah, yeah. Love, love that Languedoc. It's, yeah. uh, no, we're, so we, we went over there, um, but we faced the same problem that a lot of winemakers, fledgling winemakers face, which is it doesn't matter how good your wine is, you need to find a distributor and an importer and, and kind of get in the system. And we didn't realize the, the cost that we had not yet incurred uh, to sell the wine. And it was looking pretty bad around year five. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when we met uh, Rowan and, and Derek, uh, the founders of Naked Wines in the UK. And they they turned it all around. They said, look, we can, we can buy everything you've got. We can fund next year's vintage. Let's work on a business plan together. So had they started this already at that point or, yeah, or yeah. were you, it was like year one and a half in the UK and we thought they were nuts. And every, everybody I knew in the UK said, Oh, watch out for these guys. They're well, kind of crazy. Until that check cleared, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, the checks up front, they haven't even picked up the wine. Right. Uh, and, and it, it just seemed impossible. Like, so you've got, at the time, I think they had like 15,000 customers. So you've got 15,000 people who put money aside every month, and you're just going to hand it to me because why? <laughs> and uh, and they, they, but they, they, uh, they walked the walk. And so we were in a much better position a few years later, four years later, when they were talking about launching in the U.S., and they remembered I have this uh, American accent. And, and um, <laughs> I, I came out with, with Rowan and Derek, in the early days um, to set everything up in that little house on Coombs and, and recruit the first few winemakers of which Randy was a part of Randy Hester. Who we nice. talked about now how did you get in touch with Randy? Oh, geez. Let's go back into the way back. Cause, machine. cause Brooke works. That's yeah, she was your right? right? yeah. CFO for a while. Brooke, she exactly. was at Patson Hall, so, I think first. And then that's yeah, right. So our first in, in-house winemaker, like the guy who manages the other winemakers was from Patson Hall. Mm. And so when we were looking for a good, numbers lady he said oh i know just who you need yeah. she, she could she's the only accountant who could hold that guy in check okay. and so we brought brooke in and uh and randy you know was a connect was connected he was familiar with brooke and so she, she introduced Aggies. us to his yeah. to her husband and and uh his exciting projects and uh, yeah, we got to work with him up until the time when he moved off to Texas and started getting a little more Texas focused. Well, man, he's rocking now with CL Butad. Oh, yeah, he's really going. 
Mm-hmm. It's awesome. You I, I see lightning start. everywhere. It's, yep. Well, you, we were talking about, are we the only place where people shop? I, I love it when people trade into some of the winemakers special private projects. Like that's great. It, it's, it shows that we're a big community. We don't need to own 100% of your attention. Like, there's a lot of cool wine out there. So if somebody's making a, a real limited 200 cases of something special, it probably it's, it's barely enough for us to put on the site for fi- half a day, but, but it's something that you can go out and pursue. And there's always a deeper connection you can develop with those winemakers. Right. But, but in any case, those early days were very exciting. Uh, we went through the whole, be careful. They're crazy rigmarole all over again. But the, the truth is, you know, the business model is really changing things. It takes a lot of risk out for the winemaker. It gets out of the way, pushes suppliers right up front so that the winemaker can talk to wine drinkers directly. And, and for the people who enjoy that connection and enjoy being right there, right in front of their product and, and having their name on the bottle, it's a match made in heaven and things go really well. <laughs> I mean, this seems like, and I think that's why we were sort of confused. It seems like this is the way things should work. So it almost begs the question, why was no one doing this before? That's a good question. Um, I I, I, I don't know why people weren't doing it before. I mean, I I guess you, why why didn't Uber start before? Yeah, I I just don't think the wine industry was, was that... There, it wasn't that advanced. I well, mean, I think John meant, John mentioned co-op before, and I think maybe over in Europe, maybe they had somewhat of this sort of system. That's where that I was, was going with it. Yeah, right. small small towns, you have one big store and right. twenty winemakers. Yeah. but instead yeah. of the the village where you know all the winemakers because they're actually walking the grapes over, this right. is we're in a building and you've got winemakers that are sort of sourcing from places Absolutely. that might be a little and bit further I, away. I also think like the direct to consumer um, sort of movement is relatively new. Um, here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and it's taken a lot um, in the industry to move the capacity for winemakers and wineries to be able to sell direct to consumer. Um, and that has really helped open this up for all of us winemakers, um, wine businesses to be able to do that. And then the model just helps um, further that with a steady cash flow and um, not crazy markups. Um, and was that always line. in it from the beginning when, when it started in Europe, the, the giving the $40 yeah. a month and keeping that account running? Yes. Okay. Oh, no? Not quite. New okay, news. We new, can bring new, yeah. new news. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering how that started. We tried a lot of different things. Uh-huh. Um, and in the early days, for example, the UK uh, market allowed angels to be specifically subscribed to one winemaker kind oh, of like wow. a Kickstarter didn't really exist back then, but right. you know, things like that. Um, there was also a version where you could uh, pre-order wines called advanced booking, where we would try to get wines way ahead of time. And it, the further ahead of time you funded and chipped in, the cheaper it was. Fun and as futures. it got closer, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so they've, you know, this has been a big learning process. We're always testing new, new ways to connect winemakers and wine drinkers, and we're always developing. That said, it's been a solid eight and a half years with the monthly deposits, and that's a real core principle in the business because, like you said earlier, that's, that's a lot of cash flowing yeah. through the business that, that, takes, uh, that takes a lot of worry out for the winemaker. Right. And so that's yeah, and I think, I think a lot of consumers don't realize how cash flow intensive the wine business is um, and um, 
yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it is. When you got to pay for grapes, um, you got to pay for grapes. Mm-hmm. And um, you hopefully that you had a, you know, a good fall and uh, a, a season to, um, you know, sell enough fruit for it. So. Well, in that part right there, you think, well, why wouldn't you just go with naked wines? Believe me, they promote, they sell. You sell out of most wines. And and or not okay. No, well, we se- we like sell a- out of most most wines, but there are some wines that take a while to sell because they just didn't work for the customer, and well, uh, it you, happens. Yeah, I mean, but- not everything's a success story, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't assume a hundred percent on anything. Yeah, but, but yes, nonetheless, sell you, well with winemakers. You guys too. are obviously pretty adept at giving the story that helps people buy. I mean, they're not certainly not buying what's between their eyes and their knees in a grocery store. Um, so they don't, you know, you're not selling on label all that much. I mean, but I at the same time, can, all the labels, I mean, I was very I've looked at, yeah, very nice. All the labels are really nice. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, I was looking over, I think I looked at every single wine that you offered, um, looked over the entire website and, and all of the different stories of all the different winemakers. The only thing I wish is, and this is just my own little personal thing, I kept having to hit learn more, learn more, mm-hmm. and pull it down. I'm willing to scroll down that thing for 20 minutes if you let me, if you just let me go. <laughs> oh, Brian, just the first my... question here is, um, true or false, there's less than $2 of wine in a $9 bottle. True or False. There's less than, than $2, $2 of wine well, in a $9 bottle. Well, I think Alex bottle. basically broke down her Chenin Blanc, and that would, so that would be true. Well, let's see. Let's, hit, let's hope that's let's right. She true. was saying her wine was $8.99. It was $1.50 for the juice. It is true. Oh, you're right? on the Antonio bot. <laughs> <laughs> there is um, a fun thing on our website that you can um, talk to the Antonio bot. Uh, Antonio is our VP oh, yeah, of winemaking. I've got him on now. And, and yeah. <laughs> John has them on now asking true or false questions. Right. You can't go wrong with a well-known brand. True or false? That's false. Well, let's see. <laughs> just, just check. Yeah, well, it that's is false. Also hey, sub- you're that's very also good. subjective. <laughs> How about true or false? When buying wine in the grocery store, most of it goes to stuff you can't taste. True Wait. or false? Most of what goes to stuff you can't taste? I assume you can price. Taste. You can taste. Oh, excuse me. You can taste. Yes. Okay. So when buying wine in the grocery store, most of it goes to stuff you can taste. Well, if we use that same model, $1.50 for eight ninety nine, so then I'm going to say no. then, no, I'm not eating the glass. No. False. <laughs> oh, you're right. You, you are now an expert. You can now, you, now you get your $50 off here. Well, I'm using the promo code. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not talking to Antonio. <laughs> Antonio's leading me through this pretty good. Though. I'm no, sure. It sounds like you made a new friend today, John. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you can. You can physically meet him. He's here. Todd Jolly should be nervous. <laughs> no, wait. Can we take a picture with Antonio before we leave? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. God. We're getting a picture with Antonio. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm. I'm really surprised and pleased by what we learned. I'm. Uh, th- yeah. Uh, I, I'm being on the business side, uh, the equation for my entire life. Um, I'm glad to see you're doing so well. I'm glad to see you're employing so many people. It's a really good thing. A lot of kids out here. I mean, your average age has got to be what? 30 if, if yeah, maybe 32. <laughs> okay. 
So it's a very young market. Yeah. And but you know you, you've got you party like you're you under your, thirty, right? Yeah, exactly. We have it. I'll I'll take you around, but we've got a really nice deck outside with a fire pit, and we got some beer on tap, and it's a pretty fun environment. And everybody works really hard here to make sure all of our customers are well taken care of, and our winemakers are well taken care of, and customer service is at the forefront of making sure that. Uh, it's the top notch it can be, and so making sure we have a good space for our employees to work and and be here is important to us. What so. were your annual sales last year? Oh, <laughs> we talked about that earlier. Um, uh, I, I have I, I, mean, I, I do know tens how many of millions or hundreds of millions. Well, you did, you said you were about a million cases. Yeah. I mean, total? you can do the math of one hundred and twenty thousand plus angels giving forty bucks a month, twelve months in a year, right. um, is a pretty close um, ability to kind of math that out. Um, what were your first numbers like when you, Ryan? When you sat down here, you, I mean, we'll never get a hundred thousand people giving us forty bucks a month. What were your first numbers like? 10,000? 1,000 people? What? I just showed um, a slide to the whole team at one of our town halls where we kind of run everybody through what's going on with the business. And it was uh, the vitals report, which shows how many orders we got that day by 5 p.m. And I can say that the, the one from last week was large. Um, uh, and, but I also put it next to one from month two of the business. That day we had received 16 orders. We didn't even have a row for how much money we made because it would have been negative. You know, it's, it's a, you have to grow a business from scratch and you have to convince a lot of people that it's a good idea. <laughs> well, okay. you've done a good job. Um, you put 16 orders up for one day. What was the, what was the current day? <laughs> it, was, it, it was in the thousands, the many thousands. There you go. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, you're, you put goals out, you're achieving them. And, and I find that fascinating. Congratulations. It's a good thing. So thank you it, so much um, for reaching out to us. Yeah. And, thank you for um, having us on. We, or ha- hey, for we're not done on. yet. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. But I just wanted, I wanted to like say thank you. But that's all. Well, you're welcome. It's much appreciated. <laughs> Believe me. I mean, uh, I'm, we're, if it takes us this long to get to the bottom of it, I'm not so sure... We're just, uh, we're not stagnant, but we're, we've only seen this other way. It's like we're still taking cabs and Ubers out there. But I like that. Let's, okay, so let's take that and let's, let me do devil's advocate. And I'm sure you've been under this microscope before. So let's say Naked Wines is, if you're a small winemaker, like the gentleman sitting to the right of me, who's making, you know, 500 cases of wine or less, or let's say 1,000 or even 3,000 or less. Um, so you can call it micro micro winery. Their argument might say, hey, you're consolidating all of the costs, therefore able to put out a product at a much cheaper price. Now you're taking my share of the business away. And whether that's you know, right or wrong, that is probably the argument from small winemakers. And um, I don't understand that, Brian. You don't? No. Well, it's, I think it's the same thing. It's almost like taking away a cottage industry through industrialization. I mean, you're, you're, finding things to, you're finding ways to do things cheaper. And so at some point, then people that have been doing things not that way are sort of getting pushed out of the business. Does that make sense? Mm, just take the Uber. 
It, well, no, but see, but they don't have to take the cab anymore. But see, John, deal. Yeah, but see, but wait a minute. Now you're what you're saying is there's a likelihood that. I mean, I don't know if they would want to fund my ideal project, you know, trying to buy, you know, very expensively farmed, organically grown grapes, um, you know, wanting to be in charge of all the winemaking myself, not having other people, you know, we're always being there. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe you would. But that's maybe I think what Brian's talking about. You know, I'm used to picking out my own glass and I'm used to you know i don't want to foil on my bottles and maybe that's possible but i'm just or you want to use traditional cork or you right, want to do exactly. I mean, whatever it is yeah and so the question is is you know so maybe maybe that's what you're kind of saying is uh, well that you're you're consolidating costs so it's yeah. going to be harder unless you join the team correct to make a wine at a comparable price correct that's always and it always will be like that yeah. In, in any, yeah. any business. I mean, this is, this is the same plan. as trying to compete with, this is the same as trying to compete with one of KJ's um, high-end brands, right? Right. And um, it, that's what I'm saying. You guys are, you're in a way, you're disruptors. Um, so, and, and I would it, assume you're disruptors because it's not even distributors. I mean, I can't even get to your consumers where I can get to KJ's consumers if I can get my wine in front of them, you know? That, that's right. exactly right. Um, this bifurcation, it's already happening. Whether right. whether you're talking about a real big boy, right? You know, Gallon Constellation are still factors of 10 bigger than the rest of us combined. Right. And they're the ones who are going to be able to truly affect the consolidation of costs and compete on the same customer market. Yeah. That, you know, that said, who knows? The future's got a big place. I kind of like that reverse psychology pitch that you just did on me there. <laughs> so, yeah, we could, we could always, we, there's, there's always room for improvement in a model where people know how to test and learn. You know, but a thing for me is, is like, if I make a wine and I'm really proud of it, I don't want you guys only to sell it. I want to sell some of it to um, my my customer base or this great wine shop that I know in Oakland. And um, and 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 yes, I could make my own wine also to do that. But let's say the wine I made for you guys was the one, right? And because we all know every wine is a new adventure. So does know. anyone ever do that? Do they make wine for you guys and then say, "Can we keep like fifty cases of it"? Yeah, so um, a good example is one of our Aussie heroes, Sam Plunkett. He pours the exact same wine, he, uh, exact same brand he makes for us at his own tasting room, um, and he now he he usually differentiates and says this is the the naked cuvee and it's a different tank than than the one I made for the tasting room. Right. But we're totally open to stuff like that, you know. It's and it's not. It just but adds it value. is the exact same wine you're saying. It is you the exact can, same yeah, wine. Yeah. So my parents are an example of people who sell the exact same wine at the winery. Right, and right. It's always weird talking about myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's very open and uh, and growing, and you're changing, you're learning. I, you guys are doing a great job here. This is awesome. I know. I like Can it. we kind of talk about Alex for a little bit? And her wines. Right. I, don't, yeah. I just feel like I wanted to get everything out on the table first before I could actually <laughs> relax and, and enjoy some wine. So are cool. we there? Yeah, are we there sure. Yet? Yeah. We can be. So can you talk a little bit about... I feel like you the, hit everything. Can you talk a little bit about the difference in the winemaking on these two? Chenons? On the two Chenin Blancs. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The first one you poured, I liked better. Why? Do you know? Was, it was the first one I poured at the yep, reserve? John, you're or the, supposed to... Or you're, the, which one was you, the first, first one? one you poured oh, was, was the, the was California. The California. Yeah. John, um, you're supposed to tell her why you liked the yeah. first one. I was uh, going to let her... First. Is it the aromatics on that thing? It's 
I mean, well, that would be that's the closest thing to a Viognier on aromatics. I mean, you really have some stone yeah. fruit in yeah. that wine. That's amazing. Um, so the the first Shannon is um, stainless fermented. It is um, a larger batch. I stopped the fermentation at about seven grams per liter of RS. So it is slightly off dry. That's and that is probably why you like it. Yeah. Um, and it is a very um, crowd pleasing wine for most of our customer base. People don't realize that they like things sweet. Um, they do like things slightly sweet. It gives that texture, that body. That's where that stone fruit is probably coming from is that slight amount of RS. Um, and I, I mean, this is an 18 um, it bottled in January. I try to capture all of that, um, all of that fruit really early on, um, and get it in a bottle. This is the first time, um, it's gone under a cork rather than a screw cap. It's always been a screw cap, but, um, what was, why did you do that? We did it mostly from a customer facing perspective. People actually enjoy opening a bottle of wine with a cork over here, here. opening a screw cap and for me a quality perspective is about the same um so if customers are telling us that they would prefer to have a bottle of wine and a cork and it costs no more or less money to put the wine under a cork then yeah. let's put it under a cork you guys are running the world's largest wine focus group here aren't you <laughs> we have a lot of data on um wine drinkers do you know analytics kathy who yeah she's mining that data and gathering it. I mean, that's her whole thing right now. And yeah. now I really never realized. I mean, you guys are probably mining your own data, right? Yeah. Oh, we got a lot of data. Yeah. You know what I'm not liking about screw caps recently, the more and more, because <clears throat> I never had a problem with before. And, and I've actually had some really, I've had some Australian wines that were aged for, for, you know, 15, 20 years or something in screw cap that were great um, and very consistent. For me, it's the opening now. I've, I open a lot of wine. Um, and I'm finding that a lot of them are faulty. And when you open it, it's like stripped. Mm. Have you had experience with that before? So now when I open up the screw caps, I'm twisting the bottom rather than the top. But still, even last night, opening up a bottle had a little stripped thing. And then... Um, and then it's the seal. And then you can't well, the get it open. The you almost need a can opener. The main reason why I liked screw cap over cork um, was... On a 7,500 case brand, I couldn't tell you if all my corks were going to be TCA free and I didn't want a bad bottle of Shannon out in the market and yeah. I could do that with Shannon or with the screw cap. I can do that now with Diom. Yeah. So I, and, I, and, and, and there are some exactly other products in the market. Um, so Diom is a conglomerated cork that is a whole bunch of mini um, particles of um, cork that natural cork that have been chopped up into a really fine particle and then re um, and then cleaned really, really well in this really intense process. Pressed and formed. And then um, um, glued together with these microspheres um, and the microspheres are what um, help understand or dictate what cork um, aging capacity each of the different tiers of Diom have. Um, and so this is a Diom 2. It's a two-year cork. I don't expect too many people to be um, aging this Putting this down for a while. <laughs> uh, although I think it would hold it, but the reserve would hold it better. Um, and so it, it is guaranteed to be completely clean of um, t any TCA, um, which... And it pulls out cool. like a cork. And it pulls out like a cork. It doesn't get stuck. It's it's well-coated. And um, we've had two bottles uh, that were corked in the last month. Yeah. 
Yeah, but those are the only two corks that we've had. Um, You're right. In, in two years. In two years also. So, And we've opened a lot of bottles of wine on this uh Absolutely, so, yeah, I've opened a few. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and and I, th- I I love corks, and I think that there's something so great about a really good cork, and there's some great processes that are being done where you can actually test every natural cork that goes into your bottle, and there's some really good um, improvements that have been made, and um, all of that. It's just for me as within the naked business, I I, I wouldn't know what lot of cork went into my bottle of wine. And we would have to test every single lot of cork, and there's a lot of a lot of it that goes through here. So, yeah, uh, the for, third for th- floor above us would be a lab. Exactly. Uh, plus, it's a finite resource as well. I mean, what if everyone that was making wine in the world was using natural cork? You'd have well, a supply it's, problem. It's, it's, I, no, no, no. How, now wait a minute, you guys. Cork is a is a renewable resource. It might mean that people might actually plant more cork trees, and it that, might that's, create more industry. That's so that would have to yeah, happen. Yeah, right? I agree. So, so that's that's not a good. Yeah. Argument. Well, it's a slow. Yeah, if everyone planted a bunch of trees in, well, I mean, 10 you years, know, they would, if what if you know, it's the yeah. same thing. With I'm not, us. you know, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm on the side of not planting trees. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to get me like to say that. I, 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 I was, like that was like here, fishy, fishy, fishy. Right. <laughs> yeah, plant more trees, people. <laughs> okay, so then regular reserve. Uh, I guess uh, I should should also tell you what my background is and why I'm a winemaker. But well, we we know that you work for Pine Ridge. I worked for Pine Ridge. Yeah. I went to Davis at that school. Right. Um, and studied viticulture and enology. I minored in managerial economics, which is kind of how I whittled my way into working for Naked Wines um, and helping them a little bit on the business side uh, four years ago. And um, I, I be- before Pine Ridge was at Trefethen Family Vineyards, I worked down in Chile at Veramonte with the Huneas family when they owned that property. Um, and then have um, gotten incredible opportunities to work with winemakers here at Naked Wines and then making my own as well. Did you ever work with Rodrigo Soto with, at Viramonte? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Wow. I worked with Rodrigo at Benziger when he was, uh, when he was there for a few years. Wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah. And yeah. now he's back. He's here back in Napa. Really? Yeah. Oh We're my gosh. We're trying to get him on the can podcast. We, can you connect us? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then before that, though, growing up, I mean, what was your, what was family life? Was it wine at the table, or was it something you discovered in college, or was it just a fascination? Um. So I grew up in Sausalito, California, just nice outside of San you. Francisco. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't think I realized what how good gang I had activity. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my parents are, were both in the finance industry in San Francisco. My mom, a banker, my dad, a CPA. Um, I had no clue about wine, wine drinking. I eventually realized, um, when I was in high school and sort of started to think about what I was going to do for college and applying to the UC system and wanting to do something in the sciences that this program existed. Um, and I, um, started talking to my grandfather about wine and realized he had this amazing cellar in his basement in San Francisco. And um, so he was a big wine drinker and loved wine, um, but I never realized it. Um, and then I was just um, listening to um, da- uh, Dr. David Block speak last week at Napa Valley Wine Technical Group, and I had no idea, but my graduating class was um, tw- uh, 20 undergraduates um, that was their first time in college, not um, second baccalaureates, which mm. I 
found out Davis doesn't offer second baccalaureate programs anymore, um, which is a total shame, but it's a, it was a um, university-wide decision. So I had no idea how um, small of a program it was. I mean, I knew I had really good access to all of the professors, and, um, and I learned so much, and I loved it, and I just kept going and feeding off of it and enjoying it and wanting to just keep learning and keep learning, and I never want to stop that. But I didn't realize until last week just how small of a program at Davis it was. I think it has now grown to about 50 students who are graduating as um, as uh, bachelor degree programs. And it just tipped to be more female than male wow. graduates. I've heard that was coming, yeah. Which is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. Now, um, if they get the pay up there, that's fine. I mean, I've, I've been, yeah. I have been schooled. You mean pay for people in the wine gen- industry gen- in general? There should, there should be no uh, difference in, in gender pay. Yeah. Alex knows what I'm not talking a, about. Not at yeah. this day anymore. <laughs> cool. So that's sort of um, that's awesome. how I came in. I, I was the youngest um, funded winemaker for Naked Wines when I was first funded five years ago. And so that's um, how you got in then? You started making wines before you were... No, I pitched, I pitched a job to Naked okay. Wines. Um, I, I was ready to move on and try something different. And um, I really liked working in the lab at Pine Ridge, but I wanted to be a winemaker. And I um, also wanted to learn about the business side of wine. And so I was like, oh, well, I, Naked Wine sounds like they might be able to offer me two of those things. So mm-hmm. let me see if I can um, get in and offer something. And I knew they were a growing business. I met with some individuals and um, sort of helped understand help them um, and I still do it to this day understand how a winemaker makes wine and how a business needs to bring that wine into the business and you make Cabernet Sauvignon one time a year in each hemisphere how do you have a supply that lasts you all year long when you make it one time in a year Um, and so I that's mostly what I help um, do here at Naked in a um, one sentence explanation that's good and what was that one sentence explanation what was it? Yeah. She just said it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. That's yeah, fine. That I, That's I, fine. I help, I help uh, the business figure out how you make Cabernet Sauvignon one time in a year and have okay. that wine available the whole rest of and the year. And what was that? How'd you do it? Um, uh, I'm still doing it <laughs> um, and still learning how to do it. it you know, is, how, you um, know how Jeff Cohn says you can't tell all the secrets? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going she's for gonna, it, though. She's going to keep I'm a couple trying, of those I'm secrets. trying. I no, I, I, hey, I mean, it's all about how many customers we're going to be able to um, have in a year and how much wine they're going to want to drink, um, how, how many grapes are available at the right price. Um, at, like, there's a whole bunch of different factors that just depend on a whole bunch of um, different it's, things it, every year and it changes like it's not always the same and that's so it's what not you don't fun. have the product and figure out how can we sell it all you're looking at what do we need and how can we make it absolutely wow so last yeah, year and sometimes two and three years ahead of time yeah. too mm-hmm. cha-ching you know you i mean you landed perfectly you want to make wine you want to want to do business i mean this i feel is, pretty lucky yeah no kidding i would say so I mean, you're, you're the head of this huge company. And with Ryan, you guys are... I mean, I don't run the company. A wonderful, um, the president of the U.S. business is a great guy named Nick Devlin. Um, and Nick, I was not trashing you. I, just, <laughs> I, I think you've got a great team. That, that he has ass. a great team, and he is an amazing leader for us. Where would you go next? What do you want to do next after this? 
oh shit really yeah um, really nick's listening john yeah nick's that's okay listening. no i, mean, I hey, hey i i hope that nick is always um always with me whether that means that i have moved on from my role full-time within naked which i don't see happening anytime soon um as we continue to be a growing business there's continues to be really amazing learning opportunities for me um and i get to continue to make wine and grow that brand i started with one wine i now make two two wines under my own brand. I, Ryan and I started a brand together helping winemakers like you bring parcels in that um, are kind of more one-offs um, that we know our angels would want to invest in. And um, that's been a really cool project. We've done um, a project with Petit Syrah with Rudy von Strasser. Um, we are working on getting some rosé from Provence. Uh, so that's really fun. And I, I don't see myself sort of ever... Um, moving too far away from naked because it's just working really well for me. It's located in a great place. And then um, if I ever do, I will stay in the wine industry and continue to help everybody um, either get to make more wine or help plan and do it efficiently and get customers. Good. Who knows? I, I won't be leaving the wine industry. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing here not to like. I'm not going to go be a banker with my mom. She she, she encourages that as Come well. Come on, it's it's, yeah. it's boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, is there any <laughs> disruption that's going to happen in the banking industry? Like oh, like here? I doubt it. You know, but you never know. You Ryan's never know. Customer service, right now, I think, you know? is important. <laughs> well, what's your top three sellers on the right now? Um, I would probably have to say F. Stephen Millier. Um, he is a great winemaker out of Lodi and the Foothills um, with Ironstone Vineyards is his um, big project. Um, he does um, a black label Cabernet Sauvignon um, that is um, f- um, Foothills fruit with some um, Lodi fruit that is just a huge seller for us. It is crowd pleasing. It is easy drinking. It is um, got good oak on it and uh just does well um my my shenan when it released last week was the top white seller which was really freaking cool thank you so much um and david akiyoshi is a big winemaker for us um he uh um, helped um robert mandavi start the woodbridge facility down in um lodi and now works for lang twins family winery who we have a great partnership with um his is probably top selling and ryan is pulling up a really cool dashboard yeah. um that shows us our top sales um and now it's is this not available to the public or this is a, okay this is private uh, information this is private okay. information and the darn filter doesn't work but um the f steven millier his reserve lodi cab w- looks like it was the top seller last week not the black label but i bet you i could find the black label on here and it was pretty close up to it yep. um let's see who else Ryan's packing a lot of info in that little iPad. He's oh, hey, hey, look, the black label is just below the reserve. I'm blind. Um, Scott <laughs> Kelly is a winemaker from up in Oregon who is making Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, um, some Tempranillo. He's going to have a Chardonnay soon. Um, he's done Gewürztraminer. Um, his Oregon Pinot Noir is a top seller for us. Um, he's super cool. Um, he's based out of the Umpqua, um, region. So now how do you communicate to people how cool he really is? His backstory. 
I mean, he communicates a lot of it by um, posting and writing about his story. Ryan and his team um, have interacted a lot with him to understand what his story was, is, continues to be. Um, there is a winemaker profile that gets um, that is on our website that explains where that winemaker story okay. comes yeah, from. Great. Um, well, that seems to be, I mean, that's what we've been told by virtually everybody that what is selling now is that backstory. And then, and the, you know, people who are honest and sincere and, and, and want, you know, people want to meet, uh, they want to, they want to go uh, to the vineyard. They want to meet the person. You guys do it on online. That's fine. That's great. It's the same thing on the floor, John, selling wine, you that's know, right. as a psalm. You're that's right. You're rarely are you talking about blackberry, licorice, garigue, cassis. Most of the time you're talking about how cool the place is and what they do about the winemaker and what they've done and yeah, different process with the wine. And yeah, it's, it's, um, people, that's the kind of stuff that people attach themselves to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, that's let what them, we see. Oh, just get it in their mouths. Yeah. I mean, it's say. the whole farm to table movement. It's uh, craft beer. Um, and I, I, it's important to know where your food is coming Wait from and what you're putting in so, your body. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, I just, she just Go said ahead. that, and I'm like, naked wine, naked beer. Is this like, <laughs> have you guys actually thought no. about this? <laughs> no comment. The Australia business has beer. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Meaning, yes, they have. Okay. We are good with wine for right now. Okay. Yeah. So, Brian, <laughs> that gives you an open shot there, buddy. So, uh, you know, an, another part of this is. Um, the younger uh, wine consumers now, they love discovering and telling all their friends about, you know, the wines they discover. How does, what is the age kind of groups that are signing up for Naked Wines? Is it? Um... Currently, our um, main demographic happens to be an older uh, white male. Um <laughs> Uh, and I mean, that's not surprising. No, they're the big wine drinkers. Had you made, had you made some inroads um, to the millennials or um, and whatnot? That we've we've done and a do lot. Do you we've, care? We we. <laughs> I I think it is. This imp- is something we're starting to yeah, figure I, out. Is that such big hype was made I'm about the millennials and they're to, just not uh, spending money? I'm going to pass this to Ryan because he yeah. knows far more about this. I okay. just help make wine. Not to piss off you young kids out there on your Instagram accounts. <laughs> it's it's I. I it's a hype machine, right? Yeah. We, we want we want wine drinkers. Now, right. if you're 30 years, as long as you're 21, <laughs> yeah. we want wine drinkers. If you're right. 30, if you're 22, if you're if you're 60, what what we care about is that you want to try some wines you never tried. Yeah. And then if you're the kind of person who wants to use a website and engage with it, it doesn't matter what age you are, yeah. right? So that's that's our philosophy. The only thing is, you have to engage. You have to be able to use a website. I'm sure everybody. Knows. I mean, hey, I'm. Almost seventy, so I can do it. You know, I mean, I'm talking to Antonio right now. I mean, so it's, <laughs> I'm serious. We need to find Antonio. Is he? <laughs> well, I, I invited him to lunch with us. So the, I, uh, the question I think you're here meet is him. now: okay, good. Okay. What have we not? We spent a lot of time kind of you know, tagging some of the questions we had, but have we covered everything that's extremely yeah, what, positive? What, what are you guys? Well, I didn't hear what you guys thought about the wine. And I, I think like that's really important because I mean, I, and criticize it. Um, I, I'm, I'm proud of it, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have a hard shell. So, um, tell me, tell me what you like, what you didn't like. Um, I like the reserve Shannon, um, a little more than the California. Um, 
I, 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 I'm a sucker for the drier style. Yeah. Um, I thought aromatically it was prettier. I was really getting a Fruit Loops aroma off it. And I, I've gotten that before out of wine. And unless you eat Fruit Loops, you don't know what that is. But and <laughs> it was really, really um, pleasing. So, And the cab's also delicious. Um, uh, you know, nice acid. Um, stand up tight or stand up straight in your mouth. And um, very good. Very good. Thank you so yeah, much. Very, I like enjoy, this very enjoyable. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I really, there's so many cabs out that there. That cab is nineteen ninety nine. Right. And that's yeah. what I would, that would be my perspective on the wines is these are value-oriented wines. Yeah. So, and if you're a daily drinker like myself, you look for value-oriented value wines. And so a lot of times I'm drinking wines from Lodi and Clarksburg um, because I can get a higher quality for a better price. Yeah. So, so what would you price this wine at? As a Napa County cab, what would this go for in a retail situation? Forty or more? No, no, no. You're saying Napa County. Well, you you should speak to this more than me. But there is a price differential between Napa County and Napa Valley, right? Yeah, um, I think on the website it's fifty four ninety nine, and. I, you know, I, I've gotten comments that people think that that's a too high of a list retail price. There's not actually a lot of Napa County wine out there. Well, that's where um, I was going with it. To, to benchmark it. Um, and it really, you know, you go and you look at Safeway and there's a Napa County wine and it's like, do you take their list price that's at fifty four ninety nine, or do you take their six pack price as your benchmark, right? And so, I, like, that's one of, the, you know, we talked earlier in the show about like our transparent pricing, like how do you get the right price? And we're working through all of that. Um, so, uh, you know, I think somewhere in the range of 50 bucks, maybe somewhere 40, 39, but I, like there's not a lot of it. I think in terms of the quality of this wine, we're up there with the 55, um, $60 Napa cabs. Um, it's really good Napa, um, fruit that is, I think 85% of this wine. Um, and, um, just for like the longevity of this program and being able to blend up to 75%, um, or 25% out of Napa Valley. I went the Napa County route, um, but the ultimate goal is that it's high quality fruit at a good price and you are just putting as much money as you can into making or into the wine versus everything else right. is my goal. Right, yeah. And, and what I was trying to say, John, is that Napa Valley um, cab, there's probably not much at $40 and there's probably not much no. at 50 or 60. No, you know, not at all. Much higher. So yeah. yeah, I mean the wine, I think the wine is very well priced. Well, we joke about, you know, crossing the County line and everything doubles. I mean, it is a little silly at some point. You have to realize that yes, Napa's a very nice place. Yes. They have really good fruit. Yes. Is it worth $200, $150, $100 bottle when obviously you got a really good one here. So. Yeah, well, they're paying the bills. That's John. right. Not no, paying the bills. Well, thank you. I totally understand. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think for me, as a, you know, as a sum, I look for value-oriented wines, but I do a lot of work to find those wines. So, like, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. There's there's a Stone Edge Farm Surround, which is their Bordeaux blend that I think I can get for mm, forty dollars or something at Sonoma's Best. Would be a value-oriented wine, um, but you guys are you have an entire portfolio of value-oriented wines that I don't have to do any work um, to find. So that's the benefit that I find to, to Naked Wines. Yeah. He likes your taste buds. 
He likes your business model. I do. I want to be a winemaker. Are you kidding? I've always wanted to be a winemaker. <laughs> well, now, now this brings up a whole new thing. You can have sommelier-directed wine. You know, my customers want this. I think we, we, we'll make that. Yeah, more rosé. That's all you need. We, 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 <laughs> have, we have a winemaker who is a Somme, Frank Massard, uh-huh. out of um, uh, the Priorat region in Spain. So, hey. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfectly fine. Pitch. Put your business plan together, yeah. Brian. I got access yeah. to fruit. Yeah, I've done some blends. There you go. It's <laughs> perfect. I love it. <laughs> well, Alex, thank you for having us on. It's such a pleasure to come over here. Um, I always enjoy seeing the business side as well as you know being the wine consumer on the team um, with some and you know a grower and a winemaker. I'm the consumer, and I really like that. I really enjoy seeing your business model and uh, because that's my background. So congrats. You guys are really cranking it up and doing really well. So I think in today's age, you should be, you guys are really kicking it. And I, I don't know what your goal is for the next five years or ten, but I'm sure it's very lofty <laughs> and very, very I'm aggressive. I see drones dropping off wine at my house, <laughs> actually, is what I see. Look to Amazon Prime, brother. Yeah. No, I, I can definitely see Things a drone changing. coming down with a box of naked wines onto my porch. It's a little heavy for a box. <laughs> all of our packages have to be signed for because it's alcohol. And so getting through all of those packaging or those shipment things in the future will be one of the things we try and tackle. Right. But. Right. Let's run over this code again. For anybody who has hung on, uh, we are looking at a 50 bucks off a six-pack order at nakedwines.com. Is it a slash, backslash, misfit? Just one misfit. And we are Radio Misfits, so that's where it comes from. Your code is misfits50, and your password is vineyard. Is that our combined age? And when we go <laughs> in, when our we average go into, age at the table. When you actually do <laughs> nakedwines.com slash misfit, it's going to auto-load this coupon and password for you. So, you know, get 50 bucks off your first uh, six-pack, and hey, let's give it a try. Let's see what we what happens, and but I'm serious. Let's let's give it an honest try. So, well, thank you so much for coming over here and taking the time and reaching thank out you. to talk to us. And, yeah. um, and thank you, Marsha May Cumber. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Absolutely, Cornucopia Creations Marketing, whatever is. Um, she runs a great little place in, in Sonoma, and you know, I I met her with Peter Mathis, right. so she handles all of his marketing, and and she's with she does the women's. Wine show on KSVY hmm. yeah. in Sonoma, and wow, what else? She's and wine women. Yeah, wine and women are you involved with Wow with women-owned wineries? Amy Best Cook and some of those folks. No, I'm not. Well, there's a lot going on out there. There, there's so much going on. Fascinating. I try to keep up with it all, but I can't always. Anything else, guys? No, we're gonna get her in touch with uh, the guy Rodrigo. who used to work with, with <laughs> Rodrigo Soto, right? Yes. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And. Uh, Speaking of Marcia and Peter Mathis, for some reason, he was a no-show at the San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition. He had a table. Yeah, We had we, a lot of awards. We um, won 74 <laughs> awards. Wow. Yeah. There you go. All this, all this is before that is just bullshit. Yeah. I now we the understand. The top direct-to-consumer uh, winery and I think just below the top big wineries as well and 74 um, bronze all the way up to um, best-in-class wines um, all um, went in at what our, quote, retail price um, category is, so didn't put any um, wines we felt 
Were you guys there? Um, did you see? Were you at the? I, I wasn't personally okay. there, um, but we did have. Um, we were pouring wines with winemakers who um, got some awards. Um, That's who all those wineries were, Brian. Ah, <laughs> no, we awards? were at. No, we were just one winery. Oh, it was just one. It yeah, wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just nakedwines.com with like five winemakers oh, there. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a sparkling wine? Was there a sparkling so. wine? There was, was it blue? No. No. Okay. Okay. I want to make sure that wasn't that table. I had a blue sparkling wine, and I'm still talking about it. Oh. No. Well, I because of the color <laughs> or the taste. Well, a little bit of both. But what <clears throat> what I was told that it makes great photos at weddings when you take the wedding photos <laughs> when you have this blue sparkling wine, and it's it's great because amazing. it looks weird. Um. Yeah. And I imagine if you had it under a black light, it would be really cool too. So if you could take it to a club and get some <laughs> bottle service. Might look really, <laughs> might look really cool. I don't know. That wasn't and on that note, okay. yeah, <laughs> Brian's out clubbing again. Hey, everybody! Thanks for listening. We are the winemakers, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank See you. Guys. Bye.